The world houses over six billion people. One half live on less than $2 a day. Eight hundred fifteen million are malnourished. Four hundred million have no access to safe water. Fifteen million children have been orphaned because of AIDS. Eleven million will die before their fifth birthday. 40,000 died today from disease and lack of food. Poverty in our own country. Eight million families in the United States live below the poverty line. Many of them are employed, hardworking people that live in poverty. 13 million children live in poverty. In our own country, millions of people are hungry right now. Right now. There are 1,000 homeless people right here in Raleigh. 200 of them are children. With no home, no bedroom, no locked doors, and no heat. Homelessness right here in our city. But we can do something about poverty. Not just in the triangle, but in the world. Ours is the first generation in the history of the world with the available resources to end poverty. We can feed the hungry, we can house the homeless. Poverty can be defeated. Today, you have an opportunity to make a difference. To help those in need. To help the poor. And feed the hungry. We can't feed them all. We can't house them all. But we can do our part. Our part. A few weeks ago, I talked to you about homelessness and poverty. I outlined some ways that we're going to make a difference in the lives of those who need our help. Today's offering is for them. Locally, we're going to do our part by participating in our city's plan to end homelessness. We're going to partner with one homeless family for one year to help them leave poverty and homelessness and struggle behind. One church, one family, we can make a difference. We're also going to continue to serve our community through LifePoint in Action events, periodic community service events that make a difference in our city. Globally, we're going to do our part by continuing to host children from the Children of Chernobyl program. We'll be able to bring many children from Belarus, the area most affected by the Chernobyl accident in 1986, bring them here to the United States where they can breathe clean air, get free medical, dental, and health care, and be with a family who can help them learn about God for six weeks in the summer. We're also going to provide an opportunity for you, each person at LifePoint, to go on a mission trip somewhere else in the world, to hold the hand of the hurting, to help feed the hungry, and to help bring some relief to those who are less fortunate than us. So today you have an opportunity to give. To participate in doing our part to make a difference. In the New Testament it says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. 
and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Today, may you give from your heart and may you give cheerfully as we have an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of those who need our help. Over the last few weeks, I've talked to you about this offering that's going to take place right now. The offering buckets are just going to go around one time today. But this offering today, their special year-end offering, 100% of what you give will go to help the poor. It won't go to make up budgets. It won't go to pay salaries, buy equipment, or help with launching our site in Wakefield. It will go to help the poor. It will go to feed the hungry. It will go to help us go into other parts of the world and make a difference. When you read the teachings of Christ over and over again, he blessed the poor. And because he blessed them, we should bless them with our finances, with our efforts, with our prayers, and not only helping ease the suffering of them with our money, but also with our presence, being where they are. God expects us to look into what he's given us in our life and give out of that overflow of what he's given us. Today, you really do have an opportunity to make a difference. The Bible says to give what you've purposed in your heart, not under obligation or not because anybody's guilted you into it, but because you want to make a difference in the world and you purpose in your heart what you're going to give. Most of you probably came prepared today to give a special offering and to give your offering. Many of you may, may not have thought about it, and that's why everybody that came in got a pledge card. We accidentally left the name blank off there, so when you fill one out, please put your name on there so I know who to call. But as the offering bucket comes around, either put your offering that you've decided to give to God in there or fill out your pledge card. We'll give you a couple minutes to do that and fill that out, drop it in, and know that 100% of what you give today will go to make a difference in the lives of people who need our help. The offering buckets would come down now. I'll pray for this offering and we get to take part in this opportunity to make a difference in the world. God, thank you so much for the way you've brought the needs of the poor, of the homeless in front of us over the last few months and the opportunities you've given us to, to reach out, to give, and to make a difference. God, however we give, whether it's through this pledge card or through putting a check or cash in the bucket, God, I pray that, that each person finds joy in knowing that Every penny that goes in will be used to help people who need our help. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Many times, as off, you guys can go ahead and pass it, many times people this time of year give their offerings through stock gifts. And if you know what that is and you normally give through that, that's also something you can write on your pledge card. If you would like to know more about that, you can come talk to me about it. But... 
I want to say over and over again that you are going to make a difference in the lives of people who need our help. broken every vow, Mary. Was it one of those wishes? Was it? I have told the truth. Whether you believe is your choice, not mine. Deal, deal with the unexpected in my life will determine my level of joy. You know, it's, it's easy to come up with our own plans in life, where we want to go and where we think the next year, five years, ten years, where we think all that is going. But life has a way of throwing interruptions at us. Life has a way of, of going a little bit differently than, than we thought it might. Life has a way of just putting interruptions into our life and unexpected things happen. Sometimes those, those unexpected things come directly from God. Embracing interruptions in my life will increase my joy. When, when I think about, well, the topics, what topic am I going to talk about this week or that week? And I get alone and I or I get with our teaching team and we talk about what kind of message are we going to deliver. Many times that topic or that passage of Scripture begins to just play out in my life in a way all of a sudden it hadn't before. So if I'm talking about patience, then all of a sudden all these reasons to be patient come into my life. If I'm talking about contentment, then all of a sudden all these, all these reasons to be content and all these challenges 
come into my life. So a few weeks ago when, when it was decided, well, this week's going to be about how to have joy in the unexpected, how to have joy when interruptions come in to our lives. All of a sudden, all these interruptions started coming. All this stuff started happening that was getting me off track. Even this morning, the, the volume going like through the roof and then the video doing this and that, just interruption after interruption that we don't expect. My ability to embrace interruptions is going to determine how much joy I have in my life. We're in a series of messages called joy, Experiencing Joy at Christmas. This time of year, the stress level goes up for a lot of people. Are you one of those people that, that you don't have to raise your hands, that all of a sudden you're stressed? All of a sudden, you're worried. All of a sudden, it just seems like, I'm not going to make it through the next three weeks. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And for most people, when the stress level goes up, the joy level goes down. And joy is not just happiness. We all get to experience happiness and enjoy periods of happiness in our life. But happiness is just, it's based on what's going on around us. The, the very root word for happiness just means luck of the draw. I'm banking on something much more than just the luck of the draw. Joy comes from something much deeper than just the circumstances around us. That over-the-top joy that can't be contained, that can't be dictated to us by what somebody says or what they do or what they don't do. Joy that comes from the depths of my soul that no matter what else is going on in my life, I can experience it. Now, especially in a holiday season, there's some joy zappers. Chaos can zap your joy. Interruptions can zap your joy. And sometimes those interruptions in our life, those unexpected things... They come directly from God. In the book of Luke in the New Testament, Luke chapter 1, I would like for you to either look on the screen or read along with me. There's some Bibles coming down. You, if you don't have one or if you want an extra one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one to take home and cheers to keep. Luke chapter 1 records a story that took place over 2,000 years ago. A teenage girl is getting ready to be married. That was common in that culture for teenagers to get married. Thank goodness, you know, that's not part of our common culture. But it was a common thing. It wasn't out of the ordinary. It had probably been that way for generations. And she's not just getting ready to be married, she is engaged to the person that was probably determined by her family. And that's like, oh my goodness, could you imagine if your family picked your mate for you? If you went to your mom or dad and they went out and picked them for you, wouldn't that be a mess? But she is engaged to Joseph. Mary is engaged to a young man named Joseph. Engagement in that culture was a little bit different than engagement now. If you get engaged now, hopefully, you get a ring. Ladies, he gives you a ring and says, will you marry me? You say yes, you put the ring on your finger, and boom, you're engaged. And then the wedding plans start. But at some point between placing the ring on the finger and the wedding day, if you decide this is not the right thing for us, 
Or he is the jerk that I was afraid he might be, or eh, she's not just what I thought. And, and all that starts to change. You want to break the engagement? What do you do? You take the ring off, you hand it back, take it to the pawn shop, whatever. And, and you're not engaged anymore. With a few words and one little action, you are no longer engaged. It was very different from Mary and Joseph. In that culture, in that time, engagement was just as serious as marriage. Although they didn't live together, although they were not sharing a house and a bed yet, they were engaged. They were pledged to each other. And the only way to break an engagement was not just giving a ring back. It was a legal thing to break an It was serious. You had to divorce the person you were engaged to. So she's in this serious relationship, getting ready to be married. She's in this already this covenant with a man to spend the rest of her life. And then she gets a visit that's recorded in Luke chapter 1. The Gospel of Luke is one of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they're called that because they tell the story of Christ in very similar ways. Some of them tell it identical, but they all three tell the, the same story in very similar ways. Except Luke's is a little bit different because he was not one of the disciples following Jesus around. He was not one of the twelve, but later on he decided that he was going to write so he could bring encouragement to people who wanted to follow Christ. And his book is not written from him sitting there watching it happen. His book is written, scholars believe, because he interviewed all of these people. And they even believe that maybe Luke sat down with Mary when she was an old woman and interviewed her. Sat with the woman who brought Christ into the world and had a reporter's interview with her. That's why his account is probably a little more detailed than everybody else's. That's why when you hear the, the nativity story, you hear from Luke chapter 1 and 2. Because he would have interviewed the eyewitnesses, maybe even Mary herself. So she or someone is telling him this story of the day this angel showed up. The day an interruption came into her life that turned her life upside down. And in Luke chapter 1, it says this, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. And Mary experienced a divine interruption. She had her plans. She had her man. She was thinking one thing. She was thinking about planning this wedding, getting a home ready for her and her husband to share. And then all of a sudden, she's no longer planning for a wedding. She's planning for a birth. I've heard people say, you know, it must have been God that communicated with Mary because no one else would mess with a woman planning a wedding. This could only be, this could only be from God. She was probably thinking, okay, Gabriel. She, she would have known. Gabriel's like, you know, the high-powered, octane-charged angel. He's like top of the pack when it comes to angels. And she would have known that. So she's probably thinking, okay, Gabriel, I, I hear your message. I appreciate what you're saying, but 
could you not have just waited a few weeks? Because I'm going to be married and, and it'll look completely different if you just wait a few weeks. If God's timing could just line up with my timing, then everything would be perfect. How many times do we think that? How many times do we think, I don't have time for this interruption because my plans are here. This is the direction I want to go. And then an interruption. And then the unexpected comes in to our life. And we think, God, my plans were to do this. And now that's all messed up. So what do you do? Like I'm sure Mary was, was probably thinking, why couldn't you just wait a little bit longer? I don't need this interruption right now. So what do you do when the unexpected hits you right in the face like it did Mary? It, it will for all of us. Unexpected things are going to come into your life. cannot be avoided. Interruptions that say things like, things are going to be different. This Whatever plan you have is not going to play out like you thought it was. And when God interrupts, it's... Sometimes it's for a better plan, for His plan. I know there have been times in my life I've, I've planned out what the future was going to look like, and I, I loved what I saw, and I thought, okay, I've got it all under control. You ever done that? You, you've got it under control because you know what the future is going to look like, you know what your plans are, and you think, control, I've got it. And then all of a sudden, something unexpected happens. A relationship ends. A relationship begins. You go into the doctor's office and it's like, whoa. Somebody betrays you you never thought would. Another great opportunity is put in front of you. And then unexpected things start to happen and interruptions come in. And now your plans are kind of put to the side because now you've had this divine interruption that came from God. When that has happened in my life, and I've stood before God and said, God, wait, hold on a second, God. I had a plan here. This is the direction I wanted to go, and now this is the total opposite direction. I'm not getting it. I, I don't understand. And just like Mary probably would have experienced these emotions, we all experience these too when these unintended interruptions come into our life. Everybody at a basic level is afraid of change because Change means I can't do what I'm doing now. I have to do something different. And what I found out is if you don't like change, you're not going to enjoy life very much because life changes constantly. You don't know what's going to happen today. You don't know what's going to happen this afternoon. You don't know what's going to happen this week. So someone that doesn't, doesn't enjoy change probably doesn't enjoy life. And yet when God's interruptions come into my life, I still, I still deal with this reluctance to change. But if I'm ever going to have, if God is ever going to use me to do anything or use you to do anything, you have to embrace change. Another fear that Mary had to deal with, and I know we would all deal with when we're dealing with this, these interruptions, is fear of criticism. What Rightly so, she could be thinking, what's Joseph going to think? He, he's not, there's no way he's going to believe me. I mean, he knows what makes babies. And, and I'm going to go in and say, you know, I haven't done anything to betray our relationship, but I'm going to have a baby. 
What's the, he's going to think I've you know, been drinking too much wine. He's going to think I hit my head. He's, he, he's going to think that I'm covering something up, and so is my family, and so are my friends. God interrupted her life, and I'm sure she dealt with this fear of criticism. And when God interrupts your life and you react in a certain way and change your plans and start to go in a different direction, it's a little afraid to let people in on that and let them know that because maybe they won't like it. Maybe they'll criticize. Maybe they'll think you're crazy for doing it. When this angel visited Mary, she had a brush with the supernatural. She knew her life was going to be different because she had had this encounter with the supernatural. When you have an encounter with the, the supernatural with God, there are things you are no longer going to be able to control in your life. And for many people, that's scary because control may be all you have. And then you have this interruption, this unexpected thing that comes into your life. And if it's from God, you're having your own brush with the supernatural, and sometimes that can be scary. So how do you have joy in the middle of all that? That means my joy has to be rooted in something much deeper than just the things around me. I'm sure Mary must have thought, me? I'm a, I'm a teenage girl that lives in this little corner of the world nobody knows about, and you're choosing me, this young girl that doesn't even have a husband to give birth to the Son of God, I'm, I'm not worthy of that. I'm sure she would have dealt with that. And if you read through the Bible, God rarely looked, looked upon people and said, you know what, He's got it all together. He's smart. He's strong. He, he gets things. He's a visionary. You know what, I, I'm going to make Him a leader. That's not the way God did it. More often than not, if you look at the people God called to do great things, He picked somebody that looked pretty ordinary or somebody that may have had a lot of mess in their life. And God said, I'm going to use you to make a difference you can't even imagine. And maybe God uses the people that feel inadequate because those are the people that are most open to listening to Him. And the ones that feel like they've got it all together are the ones least likely to listen to Him. Look at the teachings of Jesus, and when he called people to follow him, he chose women of questionable character. He chose foul-mouthed fishermen. He chose people that couldn't even get along with each other. He chose people that the religious leaders of the day would have said, you're a loser. You're not worthy to be part of this. When God calls us to do something, when he puts an interruption into our life, Sometimes it's easy to think, I'm not worthy for this, but those are the kind of people God is looking for. Mary would have realized that her life was not going to be the safe, predictable, planned out life she thought it was, and she must have been scared. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, the Lord is with you. So when your life gets scary, when, when something comes into your life and interrupts it and puts obstacles all of a sudden in the way you never thought were going to be there, something unplanned all of a sudden happens, that same message that Gabriel gave to her 2,000 years ago is the same message God wants you to hear today. The Lord is with you.
And when you're scared, and when the unexpected comes into your life, He's with you. Even when you don't feel God, He's with you. That's a powerful thought. So I, I don't have to feel God for Him to be with me. He's protecting me. He's with me even when I don't feel Him. Yes, the Lord is with you no matter what. And if you, when you get that, you're beginning to get the depth of joy that's independent of anything that's going on in your life, independent of any interruption or anything that's unexpected. So how do I recognize a, a divine interruption when it comes into my life? Now, when God interrupts people today, it's probably not going to be the, the big white light and the angel and Gabriel coming down. I, if that happens, call me. I'll get the news crews over. Yeah, I want to I experience that with you. Most of the time, it's going to be, a, it's going to be an opportunity or, or a circumstance that, that puts us outside of our comfort zone. And calls us to do something maybe we wouldn't normally do. Just earlier today, you had an opportunity to give to help the poor. Maybe that was an interruption. And maybe you'd plan one thing with that money. And, and now all of a sudden you feel God urging you to do something else with it. It's when God comes into our life and, and provides these opportunities to serve. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I'm going to go on one of those mission trips in 2008. But it's going to interrupt my my vacation schedule. It's going to interrupt something else I had planned, but, but maybe that's what God is calling me to do. That's what divine interruptions look like today is an opportunity to get out of your comfort zone and do something. Now, it, it's probably not going to be a call to go to Maui and, you know, hang out there for a month. If it is, I'll go with you. But God calls us through interruptions outside of our comfort zone and says, no matter how scary it is, no matter what you're thinking, I am with you. The question is, the question we all need to ask ourselves, am I open to the unexpected? Am I interruptible? If, if I would go to your family or your kids, how about that? I go to your kids and I say, hey, is your mom or dad interruptible? What would they say? What would your friends say? Would they say you're interruptible? Or are you so focused and driven that, that you just don't even think about what's around you and it's just, don't interrupt me. I've got my plan. I'm working my plan. Is it like that? Or are you willing to allow opportunities to interrupt you so you can find joy in the unexpected? An interruption is an opportunity to be used by God. But a, a lot of us deal with trying to fit God into our life, and we have all these opportunities over here, whether it's being involved in a small group, going on a mission trip, giving, starting a relationship that's going to help somebody along in their relationship with God. And, and so we're trying to fit God into our life, and we think, I don't have the time to do all of this. I couldn't possibly have the time to fit God in all these areas of my life. You know what the problem with thinking like that is? When I think like that, it's reversed. It's not fitting God into my life. It's me getting my life into God because God will never give you more than you can handle. God will never expect more from you or ask you to put more on your to-do list than you can get done. So the weeks I look at my to-do list and I feel a little stressed like, oh no, I'm not going to get all this done. One, maybe I was very undisciplined. Or two, it's probably because there are things on there I'm not supposed to be doing anyway. 
So listening to God in the unexpected, giving interruption an opportunity to be used by God is saying, God, I'm going to get with your plan rather than inviting you in on my plan. So someone needs your help and you give it. Someone needs a friend and you're there. A few months ago, I was with a couple of the, our staff, one of our staff members and his wife, Todd and Rachel Fisher. We were in Cleveland at this, this conference of sorts and we were on our way back and found out we'd get this earlier flight and come back early. So we're zipping through the airport and I commandeered one of those little things, you know, and jumped on the back and the guy was giving us a ride. And, and we passed this girl and she's crying, just tears coming down her face. And I'm thinking, okay, if we get to terminal, I get pizza, pizza, and I can get something to eat. I'm really hungry and I'd be home in an hour and a half. Things would be great a full six hours early. Well, our youth pastor's wife says, we should stop and talk to that girl. And I'm like, oh, I want pizza. And I was like, Rachel, it's an airport. People say bye. They, you know, she's probably her boyfriend or something. So, so we kept going. I just kept on going. You know, I didn't tell the guy. I said, pedal down, buddy. Let's go. Well, we get to the terminal. She goes back to find, you know, what's the deal with this girl. And because I said, well, that escalator, it was coming this way. So she's get, so you go down there and talk to her. I'm going to go get Todd and I'll go get pizza. So she goes and talks to the girl and finds out, and, you know, what's going on and really brings some light to that girl's day. But I was not willing to be interrupted. I was not willing to change my plans. Now, that may not have much significance, but how many times in our lives are we not willing to adjust our plans for a greater plan. Sometimes an interruption is the way God can reboot or restart our life. An interruption can also show me what's really important. When my kids say, Dad, do you have time to play this game with us? Dad, let's spend some time together. It may not sound like that. That may not be the words they use, but I guarantee their actions will tell you. I can tell in my daughters, when I have not spent enough time with them. They, they may and probably won't ever say a word, but I can watch their actions, and I can just observe, and I can know I need to spend time with them. And then God will send an interruption into my life where I don't have a choice but to do that. And then, again, I'm reminded of what's really important. One of my friends said to me, he said, Donnie, if you don't slow down, God's going to do something to get your attention. That scared me because I was like, oh, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want God to get my, he's got my attention. Okay, you don't need to say that anymore. But in many of our lives, that's what happens. Something big, drastic has to happen for us to say, okay, God, you have my undivided attention. If you can't decide what's really important, listen for the warning signs like, honey, you're, you're never home enough. You work too much and play too little. You find too much joy in the material things and the things around you. You're uptight all the time. The unexpected can also make me stronger. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So troubles usually are unexpected, 
And when the interruption brings trouble into my life, causes me to change my plans like it did Mary, God says that's an opportunity for you to experience joy in ways you never thought possible. So when trouble came into Mary's life, here's what she said. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. God, that's not my original plan. That's not what I had planned out. But I trust you. And I'm sure she had great doubt, but she probably, she would have had to have even greater faith. She must have thought, I'm just a simple teenage girl. But God saw something in her she didn't even see in herself. God still sends the unexpected into our lives. There's still going to be interruptions that come in to your life. You have no idea what's coming. And you may think, I can't handle it. I don't know if I can make it. But God sees a strength in you that you don't even see in yourself. Mary asked an obvious question when this conversation was over. The question was, how can this be? I, I, I know how this happens and I haven't compromised myself. And how could I be with a child? And out of her confusion, the angel said, you, you might think it seems impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And she said, I'm the Lord's servant. I trust Him. Are you facing something that seems impossible? Something that makes you wonder, how can I find joy in this? Remember the same promise that angel made. With God, nothing's impossible. Is the same promise He makes to us. So leave today asking yourself the question, how open am I to changing my plans? Do I allow my family to interrupt my work plans? Do I allow God's plans to interrupt the plans that I've made? Ask yourself the question, God, is there somebody you want me to talk to? Is there something you want me to say? Is there something you want me to do? Something you want me to give? Because the less control I try to have over my life, the more joy I'll have in it. If, if you're basing your joy on your plans working out, you're in trouble. I haven't met a person yet that can tell the future. You don't know what's coming, so your joy has to come from something deeper. The unexpected can bring joy into my life that I never anticipated. And we can have joy in spite of what's going on around us when Mary was interrupted, do you think she knew what the next 30 plus years of her life was going to look like? When she was listening to Gabriel say, this is what's going to happen in your life, she had no idea what was around the corner. She had no idea what was coming. And I can imagine Mary as an old lady praying, saying, God, thank you for the last 30 plus years of my life. It didn't go the way I expected. There was some pain I never anticipated. But there was joy I never thought possible. Thank you, God, for interrupting my life at just the right time. In spite of the interruptions, 
in spite of the unexpected, you can still experience the joy that you read about in Mary's life. May your joy come from deep inside, not from your circumstances. And may you have joy in spite of the unexpected. God, thank you so much for this story. A story about how your son came to earth. We thank you so much for the unexpected things that come into our life. Allow us to be changed by them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, I prayed about this special offering that, that I knew was coming up today that, that we'd already committed. We're giving this to the poor. We're going to make a difference in the lives of those who need help. And it's all going to go to them. And again, like last year, I was tempted to put this number out there and say, let's reach this number. But I thought, you know, let's just say that's what we're doing. And we'll see what God puts on people's hearts. And that's what we did. But I still had a number in my head. And I still had a number I was hoping for. And the number in my head, last year it was a number and it got passed. This year was a number and it also got passed. And, and I know it's going to end up being even more than this because like last year, people weren't here today or they'll come next week and say, oh, I forgot. I want this to go for that. So the number in my head over the last few weeks has been, what the thought in my head has been, what, what if we had $50,000 that we could say, this is going to be set aside and this is for nothing, nothing in 2008 except helping the poor, going into other parts of the world and making a difference. What, what if we had that kind of an account to draw from? when needs arise. And today, both services together gave $56,307. I commit to you and I promise to you along with the rest of the staff that every penny of that will be used to help the poor. I hope you participate in it more than just writing the check or making the pledge. I hope you participate in it by going on some of the trips. Please come talk to me. Send an email. Go to our website. It tells you how you can do that. But please consider participating like that. Thank you for purposing in your heart what you're going to give. And thank you for being willing to make such a difference in the world. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And as we leave, Father, we thank you for the generosity that's just been displayed in this room. God, thank you for once again showing me that you are faithful. That our hopes and desires and the things that we long for and pray for come true. God, we just ask that you fill us with wisdom on how best to serve the poor, even in ways beyond what we've outlined. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming today. Experience joy as Christmas Day approaches. Please remember if you're on the LifePoint Wakefield launch team,
to be at the hub by 12.30. Thanks. And come help us, up, help us out with teardown before you go out the back door. Thanks. <laughs>